Here we are, Locked On NFL, alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock, taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is the number one local daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya. We are everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. And Matt is a must-follow at Williamson NFL. Matt, we've got some... Week two football, Thursday night in the books. The rest of the week, two picks. And then some Minka Fitzpatrick trade rumors in the Miami Dolphins continuing to potentially tear this thing down. Good slate of games. We're going to pick those today. Um, I want to talk Minka for sure. Thursday nighter was, you know, we'll get to in a minute here. But just letting my, my fans know, I mean, I'm playing <laughs> a little injured today. I had a uh, vasectomy this morning. And a little sore, you know, so the family jewels took a little beating, but it's uh, for the best in the long term. I got two kids and don't need any more, but just want to let you know that I'm uh, fighting through it for all of you. Yeah, definitely a gamer, <laughs> Matt Williamson, straight off the table into the studio for this Can't podcast. Yeah, so he's here for you, man. This is crazy news with, uh, and we talked about this. We're like, no way you trade Minka Fitzpatrick. And this from ESPN's Chris Mortensen that Joel Siegel, the agent for the defensive back, has been in contact with a number of teams. Fitzpatrick, the 11th overall pick in the 2018 draft, is unhappy with his playing multiple positions, sources said. Teams initially have been resistant to the Dolphins' apparent asking price that includes a first-round pick. But then uh, Benjamin Albright, who is pretty plugged in and has some good sources around the league, he's in the Denver area, he said that his source says the Finns are asking for a first for Mika Fitzpatrick, but that they will likely settle for a second, in which case, Matt, I ask you, if they would take a second for Mika Fitzpatrick, why is he still in Miami? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't mean to take it back to the Steelers, but they were one of the five or six teams mentioned, and I was asked, you know, what do you give up for Minka if you're Pittsburgh? I'm like, I'll give you a second and a third. I mean, in a heartbeat. I mean, I'd be hesitant to move a one, although he's worth it in some regards because he was very good as a rookie. He had a tough day in week one, but that's one week. Um, And he was a first-round pick all day long. But there is a little bit of that drive the car off the lot. It loses a little bit of value Mm -hmm. to him. So, But I still think he's phenomenal. I I retweeted Field Yates, and I just want to just mention this. He's under contract through 2021, plus a fifth-year option, and it's first-round money, but that's not all that expensive. His base salary is 1.23, 1.98, 2.27. He's 22 years old. He can play either safety spot or slot, and he had 80 tackles, nine pass defenses, two interceptions as a rookie. And frankly, I thought he was excellent as a rookie. He... I know he's complaining about playing too many positions, but he didn't complain at Alabama about playing too many positions when right. they were winning and in a good program. He played some linebacker and a dime. Uh, he is a physical slot corner. I think that's where he's best, especially against the Evan Ingrams of the world, you know, physical tight ends. He likes the tackle. He can blitz. You can play him well off the line of scrimmage in a traditional safety role, but I kind of like him looming in the slot a little bit more. Um, he's the type of guy, but I said this about Tunsil too, that if you're the Dolphins, that's not who you trade. But when you quote tank, you get in this situation all of a sudden with these guys where people don't want to be there and you want to keep someone that's not happy when you can get more picks and get your guys. I think he would have extreme value to any team in the league, honestly. And if he didn't have to give up a first, 
Wow. I mean, I think he would be a great addition. Tough guy, leader at Bama. You know, he has everything you want. And pretty much every team in the league can use at least a slot cornerback or one safety. So right, th- right. everybody should be interested in that for a second round pick with his talent because he's got speed. He's got leadership qualities. Um, he's basically they joked at Alabama how he was Nick Saban's son. That Like he was the guy right. that, that he let. They let Mika into coaches' meetings, which they didn't let anybody into coaches' meetings, and he played early as a freshman. So some leadership qualities, uh, speed, he can cover big guys, he can cover small guys. So a really valuable player, and I think if I was the Dolphins, I would definitely be asking for a first-round pick, and there's a couple of things here. You mentioned it there. Unhappy playing multiple positions, that doesn't sound like his personality and his, no. you know, his style as a, as a leader that he, you know, I mean, that was like the, that's the number one thing on every scouting report, leadership at Alabama coming out of college. Right, and that, again, like you said, I mean, his scouting report, positives. You can align this guy all over the place. I mean, so I I would really doubt that he's, that's the the thing that's sticking in his craw. I mean, I bet he wouldn't be complaining if he was on the Rams or the Patriots or the Chiefs or, you know what I mean? And if he was on the Patriots, they'd use him the same exact way. Right, exactly. He'd be all over the place. Yeah, and Um, then uh, from Mortensen's report that teams initially have been resistant to the Dolphins asking a price that includes a first round pick. So that sounds to me that they're asking for a first plus, whereas the other reports that he would settle for a second, that's very different in value. So I can see why he's still on the Dolphins if they're saying, okay, well, you need to come with a first rounder and something else. That might be a little bit more difficult for teams. And if you're, a lot of people ask me, because I host Locked On 49ers, they're like, what do you think, Minka Fitzpatrick? And I was like, yeah, I would give up the second rounder in a heartbeat. 49ers don't have a second rounder. They already traded it for D Ford. So you're talking at least a future first, in which case I would, I would do that if I was the 49ers. This year's first. Like you said, I might be a little bit more hesitant. Yeah, right. I hear what you're saying. And to the Dolphins' credit, though, I mean, they turned Larrabee Tunsil into two firsts and a second. So they can kind of sit back and say, hey, we're going to win one game with or without this dude. If you want him, come get him. But you're not the only one asking. So they don't have to move him right this minute. Right. There's no urgency on Miami's part to move him. They could not move him if nobody meets their price. But the fact that they let him look for his own trade is pretty telling that they're like, okay, let's go. If someone wants to pay the price, here's the price. Let's do it. And so we'll see if a team does. And I'm sure all teams, at least to a certain degree, are interested in Mika Fitzpatrick. Telling him that he can seek his own trade also helps the locker room a little bit. Like, okay, I mean, we'll give you the freedom to go do what you want. You might find that the league doesn't value you quite as much as you do. Or you might see that you're in demand and we'll make a deal, you know, so you're in the loop. Right, and there's no guarantee he goes to a winning team because he's a young player that could be part of a lot of building rosters around the league. Yeah. So, I mean, he'll probably be in a little better situation, but there's no guarantee he's going to go to you know a Super Bowl contender right away, although those would be the teams that would be more likely to give up that first-round compensation if you're, say, the Eagles or a team that's very good that's trying to get over the hump or a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, real quick, speaking of... Yeah, safe- real quick on that note, though, yeah. I apologize, because because those would be late first. I mean, if right, you're the Chiefs exactly. or the Eagles or the Patriots, you know, whatever... That's not a top 10 pick. That would make more sense. And along those lines, too, like I mentioned, you don't have to have cap space to add this guy either. This isn't like a clowny situation. Okay, let's move on. Uh, we got to get to this Thursday night football game in review. And there's another young safety that is lost for the year in Jonathan Abram from the Raiders that I want to talk about as well. We'll just mix that in with that Raiders Chiefs talk when we make our picks for week two. Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, DoorDash. If you have a long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office, 
Treat yourself to a meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. And folks, I don't know, I've told you this before, but I host a Steelers uh, radio show from 4 to 6 every day. My wife works. It's awful hard for us to get dinners, you know, in our kids' stomachs. So I use DoorDash all the time now. I mean, it's just so convenient. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. It's very easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Sounds pretty simple, right? Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are 3,400,000 3, restaurants in 3,300 cities. So let me repeat that. Three, 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you might just find a new favorite restaurant too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states, including Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. So right now, our listeners get five bucks off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. That's $5 off your first order. When you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code Locked On, don't forget that's promo code Locked On, all caps, all one word for five dollars off your first order from DoorDash. Thursday night football, uh, Thursday man, the Thursday night games they got to figure something out there. They're always weird and kind of ugly, and this game was no different. And there was even a a little bit of a break in the game because of weather, and a storm went basically right over the top of the stadium, so they had to break for a bit. Came back. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers picked up their first win of the season, beating the Carolina Panthers 20-14. to Panthers starting the season 0-2. And even worse than the record is the play of Cam Newton so far in 2019. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned it. I mean, this was the first true Thursday night game with a short week to prepare. And it didn't take me long to go, oh, I remember why I hate Thursday night football. You know, like, they're just not as well prepared. You can't tell me the product is as good. It just isn't. Both these quarterbacks are in a bad place right now, especially Newton. Huge win nonetheless for the Bucs. I mean, I give them credit to pull this out. I definitely would have – I mean, I picked the Panthers. I thought they would have covered the six and a half. I thought the Panthers were a real sleeper team this year. But if Cam ain't Cam and they're not running them, I mean, that's really handcuffs your team and your offense. He's not a good enough passer, even on his best day, and he has not had his best day in 2019. A couple dudes that did stand out, though. I mean, Keekley was all over the place. McCaffrey looks as good as ever. I really like DJ Moore. Um, a couple of the pass rushers for the Tampa Bay Bucks showed up, too. Vita Vea and um, the edge guy, Shaq Barrett. So, I mean, there were some good things out of it. I don't mean to just kind of poo-poo it and good for the Bucks, but not an easy watch. Thursday Night Football is blah. You know that Buccaneers defense too. For you know, I'm when I cover the 49ers and we're looking at that Bucks team, it's like, oh man, the Bucks aren't very good, and they they were pretty bad there. But I think that's a stock up for what the 49ers did against the Bucks on the road in Week One for the Bucks on a short week to go up on the road themselves to Carolina, and that defense played really well. And as good as Christian McCaffrey is, they did a nice job corralling him, and obviously Cam Newton completing less than 50% of his passes, chucking it 51 times to try to come back and win that football game. And of course, the second guessing on the play call, look, Christian McCaffrey is the best player. If they gave it to Cam and he didn't get in, they would be like, why didn't you give it to your best player and Christian McCaffrey to score on this on this play? So 
Um, I don't have any problems with the play call there. You give you have Christian McCaffrey, you give him the ball. I would never second guess that. No, I'd have a problem with that either. I mean, I think it was a little telling that you don't give it to the 260-pound Superman. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he's not Superman anymore. Um, last no- or Two notes on that is Todd Bowles was one of our defensive back coach with Chuck Pagano when I was with the Browns, and I've always been a big fan. I always root for him. And I did think he would be a big help to this defense. I just didn't think they had the horses. And I think Todd deserves a lot of credit that they got the right guy there to, to charge this defense. Wait till guys like White get their legs under them. They may be a little bit better. Um, last note, too, wasn't the ref's best day either. <laughs> that's uh, I think that's going to be a consistent. Their well, job has gotten so difficult, and the game is sort right. of it's over-officiated to the point where I don't see how they can do a great job. And so I think maybe it's it's good that you can review so many things now, but that that, that job is so difficult, and I don't think I've seen a game in recent memory that was like, oh, that was a well-officiated football game. Right, and it is really hard. Real quick, uh, I will say that Bruce Arians, I think, maybe learned a lesson from week one. This offense is not going to lean on Jameis Winston. He ran the ball a lot, and we saw a lot of Ronald Jones week one. In week two, it was the Peyton Barber show. He ran the ball 23 times and had the score. Even though they weren't getting a lot of yards per carry, uh, this Bruce Arians offense, he wasn't so much airing it out as he was. And it's been, I think, a lot of people talk about him liking to you know, have five, seven-step drops and chuck the ball deep down the field, but... It's also been a pretty balanced offense that Bruce Arians had over his career, and right now I think he's learning that, yeah, let's not lean on Winston, let's run the ball and run a balanced attack. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I mean, everyone has a reputation as coaches, but good coaches adapt too and realize what they can do and what they can't, and Arians is not going to be set in stone with how he you know, attacks a, a defense. So let's move on to, and we talk about reviewing pass interference penalties I guess the game of the week that we have to talk about here is Rams and Saints so I want to start with that just in case we run out of time and aren't able to cover all of the games uh, in depth uh, the Saints and Rams it's basically one of the better rivalries right now for two teams that you know in the past haven't played each other all that much but this one in Los Angeles both teams coming off of wins in week one and the reason we have that ability to review pass interferences because of what we saw happen in the playoffs and actually the Rams and Saints played twice last year once in the regular season which was a shootout and once again in the playoffs which we all know how that one ended Uh, I'm really excited to see this one and if you have fantasy football players on these teams or you're playing daily fantasy you might want to stack up on some Saints and Rams in week two yeah it could be a really fun game um, super, you, you mentioned the pass interference thing. I just want to throw this out there that it sure feels like the NFL is saying the play on the field stands is, is going to be the status quo yeah. for the challenges on that. So uh, that might not be a big story and people might stop challenging that soon. Um, Goff to me has not played great going back to the Super Bowl in the last few times we've seen him, but he is notoriously better at home. Breeze is notoriously better at home. This one's in L.A., um, one th- two things I want to really watch are, are the stars on the Rams is I think Gurley might go back to being Gurley in this game. I know fantasy owners aren't happy with him, and I have a lot of respect for Malcolm Brown, but when I watched Gurley, he looked great to me. He just didn't produce at a massive level or get in the end zone, but he played a lot of snaps. Don't be surprised if he's still a stud. And Aaron Donald didn't, surprisingly, did not show up big in in week one. I bet he kind of does in this one. I mean, back-to-back games of Aaron Donald being just okay isn't going to happen. 
I don't know who to take, though. I mean, I feel but this is a very even battle. I'm having a hard time looking at matchups and saying, boy, they're going to really exploit each other here and here. So I'm going to take the home team kind of on the quarterback's reputations, but I don't feel super strong about it. Yeah, the Rams are favored by two in this one, so they're saying it's a pretty even matchup if it was in a neutral area, and I agree, and I think you hit it the nail on the head there with both Goff and Drew Brees that both play better at home. So I think you got to go Rams. I think the Rams by three is probably what I would choose here. So um, mm-hmm. I would give up those two points. But even though I like the Saints, and I think the Saints are my Super Bowl pick this year, and maybe the Saints have a little bit of extra to play for that are mad about uh, getting what they think probably is a game stolen from them in the NFC Championship. So uh, Saints and Rams is going to be a fun one. And uh, I, I think it's going to be the home team in this one. If it was in New Orleans, I would definitely be picking the Saints. But definitely a fun game. Yeah. And uh, last time they played in the regular season, I think they put up 80 combined points. So we might see another one of those. And in, this might be the first of, a, of two matchups with these guys again. Right. They might play again. Absolutely. So, yeah. And let's no, keep no it doubt. going because those games are fun. I, I love it. Let's go to the 10 a.m. start for the 49ers at the Bengals. In Cincinnati, the 49ers this week starting on the road. The West Coast. Yeah, twice in a row. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The West Coast logic. And yeah, sorry. (laughs) It's morning time. It's morning time start for the 49ers. But they tried to get around that by having a layover in Youngstown, Ohio. So the 49ers going from Tampa to Youngstown, Ohio to practice this week and not jump back and forth between time zones to take on the Bengals in Cincinnati. Bengals 0-1, lost to Seattle very narrowly last week, and then the 49ers won in Tampa. Bengals favored by one in this one at home. Yeah, I didn't realize the the, the Youngstown thing. That's about an hour or so up the road from me. That's the DeBartolo's neighborhood. DeBartolo's own that town. So maybe that's why the Niners happened to stop in there. A little bit of a a tie there. Yes. I don't know what to make of this one either. Again, I'm not ignoring the, the subject. If this was in San Francisco, I'd feel really strong that the Niners win. I didn't love how Jimmy played. I think the Niners front seven might rule the day, though. Um, I look at that Bengals offensive line. Cordy Glenn's probably not going to play. They're already without A.J. Green. Mixon's questionable. And and I think that front seven, Bosa and company, Buckner, could really, really cause problems for the, the Bengals. But... I'm also open to the idea that the new coach might know what he's doing. And I I thought they played Seattle really tough. I thought they were going to get their doors blown off. And now this is their home opener. I look at John Ross operating out of the slot zone. I like that. And then I think the the Niners slot coverage can be exploited. And between Boyd and Ross, both attacking from different spots. I'm going to go with the Bengals, but a really close game. No, I'm taking the Niners. I'm, I'm taking the Niners. <laughs> I think they're better. I just think they're the better football team. But Yet. not an easy road trip. Not an easy road trip, but uh, I'm with you. The 40, uh, the, I'm taking. I'm definitely taking that extra point and the 49ers there uh, to win on the road and start 2-0 and on the road, which is very difficult, especially for a team that was 0-8 on the road last year. But it's a different football team, and the fact that they didn't play all that well and was a little bit sloppy in Week 1 and they were able to beat the Buccaneers on the road, who we just saw win in Week 2 against the Panthers – I think that bodes well for the 49ers. Both teams, their strength is at their defensive line. The 49ers, I think, are better equipped to deal with that than the Bengals are. Bengals are really banged up, and they're on their third string left tackle right now. And the John Ross breakout, I like John Ross, and I think he can be a a good NFL player, but I don't think he's quite Brandon Cook's level. And watching that game against Seattle, I think Tedrick Thompson was a big part of why John Ross had at least one of his long touchdown catches that should never happen. And I think he had three other drops, so he's not quite there yet as a complete weapon as a wide receiver, but he's dynamic and he's super fast. So he still can be a problem 
for teams. But I like the 49ers, that front really causing problems for the Bengals. And while they might not have multiple pick sixes and they're not facing a quarterback that's as mistake prone as they did in week one in Jameis Winston, I think the 49ers have the advantage there. And uh, I'm picking the 49ers to win that one uh, on the road. Yeah, and if they win another ugly one, which could very well be the case on the road, and you're 2-0 and with eight home games in your back pocket, Niner fans should be pretty excited about that. Right, with a lot of room to grow and be yeah. and get better because they can still improve quite a bit from what they did in week one, which would you know, which makes you like their chances a little bit more. Let's go to Detroit Chargers at Lions. The Chargers on the road favored by two and a half. I'm leaning towards the Lions here. I mean, we have no Hunter Henry, no Akun, no Gordon. And boy, Eckler's really good. Mike Williams is questionable as we sit here on Friday, you know, dinner time-ish. Um, I think Rivers could be under a lot of duress. I thought they rushed Kyler Murray quite well. I think it's a pretty decent front. I think they'll blitz him. I don't know that they'll run real well with you know guys like Damon Harrison in the middle of that, that front. It's in Detroit. I like the Chargers' defense, and I think they can get after Stafford, but I also think it's a pretty balanced offense. Hawkinson can, have, you know, can make hay in the middle of the field. It's in Detroit. I'm going to take the Lions. I kind of think it's a low-scoring game, though. Right. I'm with you on this. Take the under and maybe take those points, two and a half, and, and take the home team with the Lions. And um, I, I don't feel super strong about that because I still think the Chargers are as good as the Lions, but the fact that they're yeah. in Detroit I think helps. And we'll see if TJ Hawkinson is for real. And they've got Galladay, and they've got on Johnson, who didn't really get going yet in week one. I still think that the Lions have some some pieces there and have some players in the Chargers are so banged up, but um, it's going to be a close I'm one. Hope- go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, I'm done. I'm hoping Patricia realizes finally the carry on is the needs to be the guy. I mean, I like yes. CJ Anderson a lot, but give carry on 75% of the touches. Come on. Absolutely. 100%. Vikings at Packers, a division matchup here. Green Bay at home favored by two and a half. Aaron Rodgers coming off a stinker in the opening Thursday night game. This is another low-scoring one to me that you know the Vikings want to run all over you, and Green Bay's front is pretty darn good. And I know the Vikings improved their O-line, but is it a good O-line? I mean, this isn't the Falcons are playing. They're in Green Bay against a much-improved defense. I'm going to take the Packers. I kind of trust Rodgers to take a step forward, but I think both these defenses kind of rule the day. And I think you nailed it. The over-under, I believe, at 42.5 points is the lowest yeah. on the slate of games. So uh, the bookmakers also expect this one to be a, a low-scoring game. Um, I kind of like the Vikings on the road here, but the Packers, I think, can play a lot better than what we saw in Week 1 with especially Rodgers being the big benefactor there in the statistics department. And I think the Vikings might have to throw the ball more than 10 times this week to, to get the win if they do win on the road, but um, you know, I, I think I still like the Packers overall. The two and a half makes me want to think maybe the Vikings can keep it close, but that's mm-hmm. going to be a good one. I'm going to tune into that one as far as the early games go. All right, we got to go rapid fire here in the final segment to uh, pick the rest of these Sunday games, folks. It is a new season. The only thing that hasn't changed where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the only place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. 
All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So, folks, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and absolutely my bookie fits that mold. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business for you and your fantasy guys out there. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. I love that feature, by the way. Up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus. You double your first deposit. Use our promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code Locked On when creating your, your claim when you're creating your account to claim the bonus. Again, that's locked on, two words, locked on, bet, win, get paid. Colts at Titans. Colts 0-1 with new starting quarterback Jacoby Brissett and the Titans just whipped up on the Cleveland Browns in week one, get to play at home with a 1-0 start to their season. Another close one for me. I don't have a strong feeling about it. I'm going with the Colts. The Colts have historically beat this team up, but they they've had Andrew Luck too. I'm, I'm a Brissett believer. I'll take the Colts. I'm going to stick with the Titans. I like what I saw from them, and mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel bad that I've bad mouthed the Titans a little bit, or just not been super hyped about what the Titans can do. I think if they play as sound as they did last week, that's important. I like what Vrabel's got going on over there. If Mariota can do his thing, a very Alex Smith like sort of. Um, efficient game he was 14 yeah. of 24 for 248 yards but threw three touchdown passes in the rookie aj brown with 100 yards in his first game so they've got some weapons there on offense can play sound defense get after the quarterback make life difficult for jacoby Brissett. i like the titans in that one patriots at dolphins i think this one's a pretty simple uh patriots will probably blow them out and they are favored by 18 and a half points <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we could just move on. I mean, New England's going to blow him out. Will they beat him? Will he be kind of nice to one of his old coaches and lean on Sony Michelle as opposed to throwing all over everyone? Maybe, but this isn't going to be close. And we'll see if we get some Antonio Brown not going on the NFL's exempt list, it looks like. Bills at Giants. Bills coming in 1-0, and Giants 0-1 on the season. Buffalo favored by two. Yeah, I think the Bills have a really good defense, and I look at the Giants and think, how far can Saquon and Engram take them? Not far enough. And I think the Bills will be able to run the balls, keep you know Josh Allen reeled in. Give me Buffalo. A lot of early games Sunday. I'm taking Buffalo in that one as well. Uh, another 10 a.m. Pacific time start with the Seahawks going to Pittsburgh. Seattle narrowly getting by the Cincinnati Bengals in week one of the Pittsburgh Steelers were blown out. I expect a little bit of a bounce back from Pittsburgh, but Seattle's always a tough task. Yeah, I, I think Seattle's secondary is a problem. I think their offensive line is a problem in this particular matchup in Pittsburgh. Proud organization, home opener. I, I think the Steelers handle their business. I kind of like the under on this one. Seahawks really want to run yeah, the I ball in an, uns- in, a, in an old school way. I, I would probably take the under low scoring game, and I like Pittsburgh at home, but it should be a tight one. Cowboys at Redskins. Cowboys 1-0, looking very strong and looking good across the board. Really talented roster, and with new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, uh, they've actually maybe opened up a little bit more, a lot of play action in that offense, and Dak Prescott with the perfect rating, 400 yards passing, four touchdowns in Week 1 against the Washington Redskins. It is on the road for the Cowboys, but Washington uh, is still 
the, you know, they're still just not a, a team that's ready to compete. And um, I like uh, the Cowboys Geis, easily, even with the six points. And Geis out now as well. Geis is out. I think Dallas is really good. I don't think they'll stumble at all. I think they'll dominate both phases. Jonathan Allen's not playing. I think they win by double digits. The Arizona Cardinals ran four wide receivers more than any team in the league and almost more than any team in the league combined. They also ran the most plays in the league, and their rookie quarterback in his first ever start chucked it 54 times. And so uh, I think basically, especially in the second half, they're like, you know what? We're going to spread it out. Cliff Kingsbury is going to do Cliff Kingsbury things, and it was a very air raid-looking offense in the second half, throwing it all over the place, and they actually played better that way and were able to secure uh, that tie against the Lions in Week 1, going against the Ravens, who just completely destroyed the Miami Dolphins in Week 1. Yeah, and I think they'll destroy the Cardinals, too. I, I'm, a, I'm a Kyler Murray believer, but this is maybe the hardest defense in the league to prepare for. He's going to see things he's never seen and not know what he's seeing. Um, the four receivers set things great, but this is one of the best secondaries in the league. Awful place to play, especially for a young team. I think the Ravens run all over, and the Cardinals' defense is bad. I think this is another blowout for Baltimore. Got to go Baltimore with this one. They're favored by 13 points, so I don't know if I'd put money on that, even though I do like the Baltimore Ravens to win that one pretty easily. But when it comes to the Cardinals and spreading it out, if we're going to see teams go three wide as much as they do now in the NFL and now four wide if you're the Cardinals that are running a lot of their offense through a slot wide receiver, that might make someone like Minka Fitzpatrick even more valuable. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just yeah, throwing so that out there as well. Anyone available that's a former first-round pick? That has <laughs> right, exactly. Right. They can shut down the slot for you. Um, <laughs> right. And yeah, I, I really like the way that the Patriots have done it. The Packers have spent a lot of resources there in the secondary. You might not get that number one shutdown corner anymore these days. There's not many of them out there. Get a bunch of good defensive backs that can cover. Like right. seven and, of them. And there very much is a philosophy out there that it's never a bad pick to take a cover guy. Absolutely. In NFL. All right. The last early game Sunday, Jaguars at Texans. Both teams winless in week one. Yeah, and Jacksonville's got Minshew. And I know it's a good defense, but I don't know that it's played like a great defense. I think the Texans are a great offense with a great quarterback. At home, I think they handle their business by 9-10, something like that. Minshew's a nice story, but yeah, Texans at home. Texans played the New Orleans Saints tough and, and were within a play or two of winning that game. Talk about stacking players on your fantasy roster. Chiefs at Raiders this week. Both teams winners in week one. Uh, this could be a shootout, and I expect... And look, this is what I, I talked about it earlier and teased it, uh, Jonathan Abram. It was tough to see him go down for the Raiders. Such a good young player. Yeah. So you were going yeah, to already, but put Travis Kelsey in your fantasy lineup in this one. Oh, yeah, and all of them. I think Watkins has another big day. With Sammy out I don't or with uh, Hill out? Yeah, I don't think this is particularly close. Um, I liked what the Raiders offense did, and it might show more signs of life. But no. <laughs> I'm excited to think the Chiefs will put up maybe 40 on them, maybe 50 on them. Chiefs big in this one uh, can put up a lot of points on that Raiders defense, I think. But the Raiders offense showed a little something, and uh, the Raiders defense could be successful or uh, susceptible. So a lot of points take the over possibly in that one. We've got the Bears at Broncos afternoon game Sunday. Broncos 0-1. The Flacco experience I know you don't like. Uh, both teams have good defenses with questionable quarterbacks. I still like the Bears in this one. I like the uh, Broncos in this one, and I really did not like how they played. I'm not big on either quarterback, 
But I think Fangio's knowledge of the Bears and Trubisky pays off. I absolutely think this will be the lowest scoring game of the week. I mean, it might be first one to 13. And here's my logic on this one in particular that might might sway you a little bit. The Fangio factor for sure. But I think the altitude in what I think will be a hard-fought, long, slow game is going to really pay off. Like, the Bears might fall apart in the fourth quarter early in the season, haven't played a lot of minutes, huffing and puffing, and then Philip Lindsay breaks a long one. The Vic Fangio, and I love Vic Fangio, uh, that factor is real. I like both defenses. I just... I just believe in the Bears as a complete football team more yeah. than the Broncos, but it is a tough matchup on the road. And uh, maybe a little revenge factor for for Vic Fangio. Beat his old team. He knows what they're trying to do on offense. Uh, let's finish it up here. Oh, no, we got two it's more. It's hard to imagine the Bears being 0-2. Yes, absolutely. Eagles at Falcons. This is the Sunday night game. Eagles 1-0. They escaped Washington in Week 1. The Falcons did not look great in Week 1. No, they didn't, and I expect them to be better. I think Julio and Ridley have great matchups against bad Eagles corners I'm starting to come around on. But I also think the protection for Ryan and the line of scrimmage is going to be a real problem against Fletcher Cox and company. And then I flip it on the other side and think, boy, the Eagles should be able to run on them like Minnesota did. Really good O-line. Wentz has all kinds of targets. I don't like that it's in Atlanta because I do think Ryan's much better there. But I think this is a high-scoring one. Eagles win it. Monday, I agree with you. Eagles easily in that one for me. I did not like what I saw from the Falcons in week one, although they have plenty of time to to figure that out and look a lot better, and I'm sure they will at home in week two, but I'll still take the Eagles in that one. Monday night football, Browns at Jets. If the Browns are for real, they better be able to go in and beat the Trevor Simeon-led Jets with Sam Darnold out with mono, although Sam Darnold wasn't really uh, lighting things on fire in week one for the Jets. I think he had the lowest yards per attempt he was basically just throwing screens and throwing balls three or four yards down the field in week one so maybe even Trevor Simeon gives him a better chance this week as a veteran quarterback but Browns at Jets both teams lost week one how do you like this one yeah I think Cleveland rebounds huge Odell going back to the big apple against terrible corners Mm, I think that could be I'm pretty happy he was my second round pick right now I think he goes crazy for fantasy I don't think the Jets can block that Browns defensive line I, I think Cleveland wins pretty big and I want to see more from Nick Chubb than uh, his 75 yes. yards in week one, maybe get in the end zone. He got sniped on an on a goal line carry, which was rough for fantasy owners, me included. And that's why I'm sort of highlighting Chubb there. But yeah, <laughs> I like the Browns over the Jets and the Browns better show something in week two. Or we, mark, we might start to see those uh, personalities there in Cleveland get a little bit more perturbed, even more than they already were after the week one loss, not even wanting to talk to reporters and answer questions. So uh, the Browns got to figure something out and uh, get back on that hype train in week two all right that is it that is the slate of games for week two matt always a pleasure i uh, hope you are feeling better in uh in 100 by the next time we talk after and breaking down all these games monday good stuff man thanks a lot come back right here locked on nfl